Now, just then, before we go to before we go to um, our text messages, we were talking about the mind. We were and the limitations of the mind, mm. and the necessity of us recognizing our limitations because we don't see ourselves as having a limited mind. Mm. In much the same way as a person with Alzheimer's doesn't actually recognize that their mind is limited. And so, you know, we talked about, okay, but what would the world be look like if everybody was at the, at the level of uh, somebody who had Alzheimer's and how far would our science go? And so, interestingly, before, as, as I was preparing for today's radio show, um, this, this little article thing came across my desk and it got me, while you were talking, this was going through my head. Through your mind. Through my mind um, in relationship to the limitations that we operate under and the necessity of recognizing those limitations because the Bible says we have those limitations and we need to recognize that. There were two babies in their mother's stomach. There's twins. The first one says to the other, do you be- believe in life after birth? The other replied, sure. There must be something after birth. Maybe we're here to prepare prepare for what happens next. Nonsense, says the first. There is no life after birth. Besides, what would this life look like? The second one says, I don't know. Maybe we'll walk around on our legs and eat with our mouth. Maybe we'll develop senses that we don't understand right now. The first replied, but this is absurd. It's impossible to walk and eat with a mouth. Ridiculous. The umbilical cord gives us everything we need. But it's too short, and that's why there can't be life after birth. The second insisted, well, I think there's something, and maybe we won't even need this cord anymore. Oh, yeah? I think giving birth is the end of life, that afterwards there is only silence and darkness and forgetting. I don't know how how to say the second one, or maybe we will meet... uh, Or or maybe we'll... I don't know how to say the second one, but maybe we will meet our mother, and she will take care of us. Our mother... You believe in our mother? This is outrageous. If she exists, where is she then? The second one says, I think she's all around us. We're surrounded by her. We are from her. We live in her. And without her, we could not live. At least I don't see her, and I think it makes sense that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, Sometimes when you are silent, you focus and you really listen. You can feel uh, his presence and hear um, his her, or her voice full of love calling from above. Uh, which is an interesting little, um, I, I thought it was kind of cute and I didn't read it very well because I didn't practice it beforehand. But it's an interesting little illustration of the limitation that, say, for instance, twins have in the room about understanding life. Mm. And when we look at the universe, I have to come to the conclusion that we are pretty much like twins in the womb. Mm. having a conversation together and saying, we can experience this, we can see this, we can observe this, our mind can compute this, Mm. and not realising just what else there is out there. No, it's very interesting. C.S. Lewis said that atheism is like the failure of the human imagination to be able to um, think what is beyond. And that's the, the little, you know, story that you shared is exactly that. You know, the, the first twin uh, just can't imagine, so it doesn't exist. Um, and the second one is um, doesn't, hasn't experienced life outside or life, life beyond birth, um, but is, is imagining what it could be like. But is open to the possibilities. Open to the possibilities. And <clears throat> atheism is really sort of kind of locking ourselves down um, using only our experiences and observations now um, and not saying, well, there could be something more. 
The, and if we don't use our imagination, then it doesn't drive us to actually discover more. That's right. So it limits mm. science by not driving us to look for that which, you know, yes. might be there. Yes. And so often science is, is really sort of saying, no, we should be limited to natural laws. God wouldn't do anything beyond what is the you know natural laws. He wouldn't do anything which is inconsistent. But that is a, a failure of imagination, a failure of the willingness to explore the possibilities that God may work miracles. And, of course, that you know initial quote that I referred to about human reasoning and um, the validity of science did come from the book about miracles, uh, you know, that, that our mind is actually a miracle, uh, a, a supernatural creation by God, which is an incredible to think about. Mm. But at the same time, we need uh, supernatural, external uh, help, assistance, healing, uh, revelation to really understand the world in which we live and the life beyond the here and the now. Okay, so we've got a bunch of text messages that we need to head to. Um, let me see, what have we got here? These have all come in over the last hour, so we'll cover these now. I think we all know people who don't overeat and still are overweight. Their metabolism must be too slow. They have tried everything to no avail. I'm sure the pill will be a blessing if taken correctly, but must be added to a healthy lifestyle. So this was a story that Lawson covered this morning about a, a basically a pill that is for heart disease but produces weight loss seemingly without side effects. Mm. Yeah, well, because it's it, like it exists to combat inflammation. Yeah. And so, well, you know, I know people in my life, like particularly with thyroid issues, um, where they, they don't have the ability to lose weight because their metabolism isn't regulated. So, yeah, it could potentially be a blessing, but then at the same time, if we if this just gets branded as the light, the weight loss pill, dude, oh, it, it's one of those ones where there are pluses and minuses to it, and you've just got to sort of be a little bit concerned that this will, okay, first of all, allow people to live any lifestyle that they want, and secondly, uh, what's it going to do? You know, as far as the whole body image, um, yeah, that's unhealthy body image, and that's where my works. mind goes into like mm. you know the 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 kind of like it's the the model culture that's become so pervasive online, like and yeah, people just trying to like one up each other by being more beautiful, and if this is like the route that people are going to take, I, there's definitely going to be negatives to it. It reminds me of the the difference between drinking apple juice and eating apples. Uh, you know, the pills sounds to me like, you know, you want to get all of the, the sweetness and the um, joy of, of drinking the apple juice, but not actually eating the apple. But the thing is this, eating the actual apple has incredible value. And that's the yes. same thing, you know, going through the hard work of, of exercise and, and mm. you know, being disciplined with your diet, um, you know, sleeping well. Um, trusting God, all of those kind of things. Um, there, there's, it's a holistic. There's a huge amounts of benefit, and I don't think the pill will ever uh, be able to provide all of those uh, mm. to to achieve our our the best body weight. Indeed. Okay, so another text message. This is actually a really good one. Um, just imagine not having police protection. What would you do? Yes, it's a scary situation, but I'm sure most people would do the same thing. That is, buy a gun. I don't believe in guns myself, but under those circumstances, I would surely buy one. In the future, Christians won't have police protection, but we are promised angels in the form of men of war. The Lord is good. His people won't need guns then. Fantastic. That's it. It goes back to the quiz. Where is it? That's right. It does get back to our... Yeah, okay. About that angel. Yeah. 
Yep, just suddenly gone silent there. All right. Um, all right. One last one real quick. In a world that lies to us 24-7, it makes it very difficult to come to right conclusions. Even with bright minds, many scientists today are a prime example believe in evolution. The devil attacks the mind, so we can't believe and find God, but Jesus still saved the demoniacs. Mm. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And, you know, Dr. Sven, in that one right there, I see just, you know, the, the wonderful thing about the mind, you know, because we look at our mind right now and, and the three of us sit here in the studio and we've got perfectly functioning minds and we're quite happy with that. Mm. We, we, we just don't realise the potential that there is out there. And if Jesus can heal the demoniacs, then he can heal anybody. And who knows where, you know, our minds will go in the future. Um, that's going to um, just be amazing. And then um, this final text message said, you know, God said, let us reason together. Mm. And so while we're reasoning with our mind, let's reason together with God rather than apart from God. So some great text messages coming through there. We love your thoughts. If you've got some thoughts that you'd like to share, then please send them through. Uh, 1-800-324-843 if you'd like to jump on the show and have your say um, is the number to call. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669 and uh, we will uh, have some great uh, conversations as a result of what you can share right here. We do need to get to our actual Bible study. And yesterday we were talking about the concept where God describes himself as being a shield. Sounds good for protection. It does indeed. It does indeed. When the police are being defunded, we certainly need God as a shield. Shield, absolutely. All right. So let's talk about this for a moment because yesterday we looked at the historical context of Abraham needing a shield. And uh, Lawson, did you just did you just answer the you, you got there? Yeah. You got it. I literally didn't say anything in the last session because I'm like, who is it? Who is it? <laughs> like, I wrote like a couple different names on a page and I'm like, uh, and then I just picked the the best, most likely one that lined up with the clues and got it right. So, yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Okay, so um, the good news is there is a correct answer and the three of us here in the studio have now figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, where were we heading? We were talking about uh, the, the shield. shield and we were talking about how that Abraham definitely needed a shield in a very physical way because he was basically a Bedouin living in a tent. He didn't have city walls. He didn't have any kind of protection. He didn't have any, you know, standing army, anything like that. He had 318 men. That's about it. And that's, you know, probably a very mm. small warlord, if if that. But he wasn't even a warlord because these were not even warriors. And uh, feeling very vulnerable, God comes along and says, I will be your shield. Mm. That would be very encouraging. Now, we know, and we're going to study in today's lesson, that the promises given to Abraham are passed to us. Yeah, well. So what does it mean that God will be our shield? And silence reigns. Yeah, oh, oh, you're asking a question. I thought, I, thought, I thought you were just trying to be epic and ominous. And, no. And we're going to get into it. What does it mean that God will be our shield? But I like the epicness and the on, on, ominousness that yeah. it created right there. Well, because it, I think it's a subject that deserves it, right? God it does. defending us, being on our side, supernaturally, you know, we don't need to be defended from the Elamites. We don't need to be defended from the Canaanites or the Philistines. Or we don't need guns, apparently, either. The Bible says that we will that the only safe place there will be at the end of time is under the shadow, the of, shadow the of the Almighty. Mm. You know, when I think of that um, promise, the thing which comes to mind for me 
um, is um, a mental shield. Yes. In terms of, I think the biggest thing over the last um, 18 months or, or year, I should say, you know, with the whole COVID-19 has been the mental health issues mm. um, and, you know, the anxiety and um, the uh, depression and things like that. And, and you know, there's times in our relationships and our work situation uh, where we need a, a shield to protect us from things which may may just really uh, plague our minds to hurt our you know thinking in terms of and, and so that shield I think that's really big in our society we need some mm. you know so, um, someone who's able to bring a sense of peace into our lives I like for me when it comes to like yeah, good stuff and for me when it comes to applications of of you know different ideals and different ideas i like to try and find some time where jesus kind of lived that out and explained that and to me my mind goes to like the lord's prayer and hmm. you read it and it's like you know um oh man this is this is translated really better. yeah you know our father who art in heaven hallowed by thy name be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation um and there's just well an, done Lawson. Uh, you did not read that because you've got a i've got an nlt in front of me and i'm like i was like yikes i don't want to read this but we said like i grew up going to catholic school like for the first i think till i was in year five and we said it every morning we said the lord's prayer did you so, go to so, a catholic school yeah 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 i was like the, i was like you know the the non and then i went to a christian school after i was like the non-christian kid right. I, was, I was the bad influence you know yeah you know you've got those bad influence kids that the parents are like oh maybe you shouldn't go hang out with timmy because he's a bad influence i was that kid no nah, i don't know so, so, so god okay. need, god needed to be a shield against you yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> but just this idea of, um, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. Mm. This idea that God is working in our best interest to help us to fight against the ultimate enemy, which is sin and Satan. Like, But doesn't that, that, that uh, phrase there, lead us not into temptation, I mean, for if I was a... Uh, skeptical person, I'll be going like, God leads us into temptation. Oh no! What? Of course, of course what not, does? You know. What is happening here? Ah, uh, we, we've covered many times on on the breakfast show here the idea of freedom of choice, right? Mm. Like the idea that God gives us the ability to choose our own path. And like, for example, He puts the tree in the garden, and people would look at that and say, God led them into temptation. But no, they chose that. Mm. They chose that path. God provided the freedom of choice. Exactly. Yes. And again, we see here in the Lord's Prayer, the idea of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, mm. that I have the ability and the freedom to to be, you know, a complete fish out of water, to live outside my bounds of creation and to destroy myself. Yet I don't want that. I want you to lead me not into temptation. Um, you know, and I feel like this is how God really acts as our shield in this world. That, because at the same time, we have the call to be in this world. You know, uh, we were just spending the weekend together, Sven, covering how best to reach our friends and family and how we can study the Bible with them, what things to say, how we, you know, ought to, ought to, you know, kind of conduct yourself in a way that, that drives interest to the Bible. Yes. Um, and the, the whole idea there is not to be completely cut off from them and being like, oh, lead us not into temptation. God's my shield. All right. I'm going to go, you know, live 
with no one in Lake Sinclair. I love using that as an analogy. <laughs> just live in Lake mm. Sinclair, you know, live in the Timor Caves, just uh, like far away from everyone. Um, our apologies to everybody in the Lake Sinclair region. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's the most epic place ever. Or like, Carabrook. It's so good. But like, essentially, you know, we are called to live in this world where we are constantly surrounded by sin and temptation and the snares of Satan. And God is so loving, like as our shield to... <laughs> help us work through that. And the other thing as well, I was doing some marriage counseling yesterday and uh, going through this uh, course, um, the indestructible marriage, really great. And and he was actually saying, you know, temptation starts in the mind. Mm. Um, so you can go to the caves in, in you know, East Timor or Tibet or, or wherever, but the fact is this, you can still be tempted in your mind. And, and so, you know, in terms of temptation, uh, we need God to be a shield in our, in our minds and to protect us uh, from mm. these influences. Even sometimes, well, you know, Satan can get to us uh, even as we think, and, and God can be that shield. Mm. And as well, I think I think Lyle would be thinking like, you know, because uh, Lyle did an epic Bible study yesterday about this whole situation with Lot and Abraham and how and how God was literally their shield. Mm-hmm. Like there is a there is a, a kind of spiritual, mental, sin based mm. application of this, but then there is a literal application where yes, he, he is our shield, working for our best. I think of David as well, like the ultimate example of like you know a man warring until like he can't even hold a sword up yet god is consistently helping him in the victory okay so let me talk about that for a moment because often i think when we talk about god being our shield we do go to the spiritual aspect of it Mm. um, and that's our default position and the reason that we go there i think is because we see bad things happen to us Mm. if we did not see bad things happen to us we wouldn't go to the spiritual application we would just leave it at the literal Mm. And the application that you find that was applied to Abraham was very much a literal application. Certainly it was spiritual, but it was primarily literal Mm. because he remained untouched in the land of Canaan, surrounded by enemies, living in a tent Mm. uh, in a a society where there was no law and order. People lived in cities and they were city-states. They were, you know, very tribal. And uh, he remains untouched, so he has very much a physical shield that he's placed around him. So what about that physical shield? Does that physical shield apply to us in the same way that it applied to Abraham? We need to talk about that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So when we talk about the concept of the shield, we often go straight to the spiritual application of the con- of, of the shield. And the reason that we go there is because bad things happen to us. Mm. So what's that? What's going on there? Would you say it's bad things happening to us? Bad things happen to us. So the only way we can explain it is through going to the spiritual. Mm. Are we going to the spiritual just to sort of explain away and say, well, you know, God isn't actually our shield because bad things happen to um, Christians sometimes. And can we claim this as a shield from physical harm? Like I would say to that, you know what also happens to Christians? Good things. Like, you know, like, I would say that bad things happen to us as just a result of of life. I mean, there's this this, this statement in the Bible study. It says, Rolando had been a faithful follower of the Lord. Then, suddenly, he died. Mm. Unexpectedly. What happened to God as his shield? Hmm. Is God there as a physical shield for Christians as well as Abraham or not? Mm. I, it reminds me of 
uh, some experiences or stories which were relayed to me by friends um, for, who are from the Philippines. And, you know, in the Philippines, it's, it's a very Catholic country, um, but they do have a lot of um, spiritualistic experiences um, that are occurring there. Um, you know, it's demonic activity and, and you know, all, all of those kind of things. And I think one of the things in our society in which we live is that we often kind of um, ignore the supernatural and the spiritual things occurring in the world around us, um, which are integrated or connected, I should say, with the physical as well. And I think one of the things which would be very valuable for us is to be more aware of how interconnected the physical and the spiritual really are. So, you know, when we're driving down the road, we just tend to think, oh, you know, these are trucks and buses and cars beside us and, you know, whatever. But the fact is this, that uh, there's supernatural activity all the time. There's, there's angels who are protecting us, guardian angels. And I think we need to really um, have our eyes opened, a bit like Elisha's servant, to say, hey, hey there's, there's incredible amount of activity all around us and God is protecting us like a shield, both the spiritual but definitely the the um, uh, the, the spiritual, uh, the physical as well. And I think that if you talk to people who are Christians, you know, it is not uncommon. And and maybe you've got an experience like this, and you can call through or text through and tell us about it. It's not uncommon for Christians to have an experience with the supernatural in which their life was spared. Mm. You know, this mm. is this is actually a fairly regular occurrence. The Bible talks about guardian angels, and uh, when I look at the great controversy that is waging across the universe, what I see is an environment in which God cannot, God wants to protect us from everything, but he cannot. Mm. If God was to protect us from everything, then God would become a sugar daddy to Christians, and Christians would be Christians for protection, not because they love God, and it would mm. defeat the whole purpose of the great controversy. And so God can't protect us from everything, but he certainly protects us from a lot of things. Yes. And if you want to, you know, if I was going to have the choice of, okay, I can live with God or I can live without God, I know which decision I would make. Mm. And that would definitely be the decision to live with God because, you know, there is certainly a higher level of protection when you are living with God, just from a physical mm. perspective, mm. than when you're living without God. God can't intervene on everything. But, but God can intervene where God has and, and will intervene where he has the possibility to do so. Mm. The powerful thing that I think is that God can be glorified through anything, yes. even the death of Christians. Yes. And we know this, like, um, you know, we see there's the classic saying, you know, during the period of, of the Dark Ages where it was like, you know, the blood of the martyrs fertilized the church, the church of the next generation. Um, that essentially, like, those who laid down their lives for God's cause and lost them, um, ultimately did such an amazing work um, in spreading, you know, uh, in spreading the gospel and giving so many more people the opportunity to be saved. Ultimately, like whether we live or die or, you know, anything, ultimately we know we will live eternally. So thus it's like, let's lay our lives down and whatever the consequences is. Yes. If God needs to protect us for his sake he, and for our sake, he'll protect us. If we have to die for, for our sake and for his sake, 
you know, it'll happen. Um, the Bible's even clear. Like, I love in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5, where it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Living the Christian life as, like, a child of God isn't like, Man, life's easy now. You're protected. You're happy. You're chilling. Like, no, it's like, if anything, it's a life of self-sacrifice, of discipline, of hardship. Uh, you know, you read Paul's testimony in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where he's like, I've literally, like, been shipwrecked three times and beaten up by my country's men and all my bones are broken and every, I'm, I'm, like, literally falling apart because of how I've put my life on the line for God. Yet he sees it as a blessing because he's like, Look at all that God could accomplish. Yes, God is protecting me because I'm still alive today. And how many times Paul's like goes to get stoned and they think he's dead and his bones are like broken, but he's still alive. Protected by God, like to do his work. And how many people do you know who have survived three shipwrecks? Like no, that's insane. That's actually that's a, <laughs> how many people actually fall into that category? Not that many. Yeah, three shipwrecks two thousand years ago. You know where there weren't any life jackets or life. No, boats. that's that's right. <laughs> like, Absolutely, there was oh, nothing. That's intense. You know the whole concept of uh, divine or supernatural protection reminds me of a story. It's um um. A, her, an angel over her tent or, or something to that effect. Yes. Mm. And it's about the life of Alan White. So um, uh, a leader in the Seventh-day Adventist um, movement mm-hmm. in the uh, 19th and early, early 20th century. And so there was a story. She was at a camp meeting. So uh, this is, you know, a time to get together and, and um, learn about spiritual things and be inspired and network. Uh, the, the story goes that I understand that uh, there was these, these group of young um, men or, or rowdy kind of youths, if I could put it that way, and uh, they they wanted to harm her because they they thought it would be kind of fun or, or uh, whatever. And it's interesting they they got a um, a policeman to come and protect uh, her tent. But the thing is, she went to to bed that night totally at peace. And what the policeman actually saw was that there was an angel over her he- uh, tent, and that the angel was protecting her. And I think I think we need to have that same kind of confidence that God will protect us. Yes, um, whether we live or die. Absolutely, that's that's not the Absolutely. issue. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, you look at the experience of Elijah and his servant. You know, when they look out and there's and the whole city is surrounded by the armies of God. You know, when they when yes. they actually see what is actually happening. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is, how do we know that Saturday is the seventh day? Did Adam and Eve record the days and has that record been kept up unerringly throughout all the generations of Earth's history? Okay, so this is a really good question. And before we look at, take a moment to look at the logistics of actually losing the weekly cycle, which is almost the logistics of impossibility, we need to... I guess, answer the question that we don't need to go back as far as Adam and Eve. We only need to go back as far as Jesus. Because if there was a problem when Jesus was on earth, Jesus would have solved the problem. Yes. And so all we really need to do is satisfy ourselves that we keep the same seventh day that Jesus was keeping in his day. Mm. Okay, so now let's consider the 
um, the logistics of losing the weekly cycle because they really are the logistics of impossibility. So I think for many of us as individuals, there have been days when we have woken up on a Wednesday and thought it was Tuesday or something similar. Yeah, yeah. But it only ever happens to us as an individual and we don't get very far through the day before that is corrected, Mm. right? Now, to lose the weekly cycle and to lose which day is the Sabbath day, this is the logistics of it. You have to have every person who keeps the weekly cycle have that same experience. They have to have that same experience on the same day and not only that, but they have to never, ever, ever be corrected. Now, I would argue that that is the logistics of impossibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's say that it did happen at some particular point. Uh, if that was the case, then Jesus came to this earth and it was his habit to keep the Sabbath. And uh, I am perfectly happy to keep the Sabbath that Jesus kept. You can never go wrong following the example of Jesus Christ. And, of course, since Jesus was on earth, we have had the weekly cycle that has been preserved by the Jewish people. They've never lost track of which day the Sabbath is. We have had the weekly cycle which has been preserved by Christian people. They have never lost, whether Sunday keeping or Sabbath keeping, they've never lost track of which day is Sunday or which day is the Sabbath day. And for a large amount of that time, we've had uh, the weekly cycle preserved by the Islamic people. They've never lost track of which day Friday is. Mm. And so um, add to that the fact that we have Roman calendars, we have so much history, um, we have absolute certainty in our minds right now that we keep the exact same seventh-day Sabbath that Jesus kept. Now, if you want to know which day that is, the Bible tells you exactly which day that is because if you go to the book of Luke, you're going to find that uh, Jesus died on the preparation day the day before the Sabbath, the Bible then says that he was dead and buried and he rested in the grave in the tomb on the Sabbath day. And then the Bible says very early on the first day of the week, the women came to the tomb uh, to you know, obviously uh, complete the, uh, as good Sabbath keepers, you know, Jesus hadn't done away with the Sabbath, they were keeping the Sabbath, but to complete the embalming process of Jesus because they had rested over the Sabbath period. And so the Bible very, very clearly outlines for us that the Sabbath day is the day that comes between Friday, which the Bible calls the preparation day, and Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. The Sabbath day is the one that is wedged in between those two days, and that Sabbath day has never been lost, and you can't lose it. You know, some people say, oh, you know, but the challenge calendar was changed. You know, we went, we went from the Julian calendar to the calendar to the Gregorian calendar, and most of us will probably live to see it changed again. That's pretty exciting. I think it might even be in the next 15 or 20 years or so, I can't remember, when the next update of the calendar is, and they knock 10 days out of the calendar. That makes no difference to the weekly cycle. It doesn't change the weekly cycle by knocking 10 dates out of the calendar. It mm. just moves numbers. It doesn't Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Or, or, or Join or our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. Like